so I played I played actually a lot from my back because Eddie Bravo stuff, the rubber guard was really big when I was a blue belt. And so I worked that a lot. I worked it all the time and I liked it until Chris's like you know, you you need to learn to play on top every now and then too. <laughs> and the whole aspect of putting yourself on your back to attack people is like you're putting yourself in an inferior position to try and attack people. You see, you have to then go a step and a half to try and get to a submission versus it's just one step. From there, I started learning how to stay on top with learning takedowns and passing guard and then getting into side control and, and really just solidifying that position to where I wasn't going to let anybody out of it. What's up everybody? Matt Browse of Pohada Photography here and welcome back to the Pohada Podcast. This is a show where I talk to BJJ practitioners, MMA fighters, and others who take on hard and gritty pursuits. Very often when it's BJJ practitioners, it is black belts in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. This time around, I am indeed BSing with the black belt with Mr. Roland Larson. He's many years into it now with a lot of MMA fights and a lot of rolling experience. Here we get his take on the ups and downs of becoming and being a black belt, of owning a gym and living life along the way. Without further ado, my friend, Roland Larson. All right. Roland Larson. When we chatted about setting this up, you said you're a huge fan of this program and you've listened to every episode. Yes, absolutely. Say say yes. Yep. So you know, Opie, shut up. You know (laughs) that it's super casual. There's really no point to this. But what I do like to hear is people's story from white belt to black belt. Okay. So we'll start with that. Sure. Maybe just do that. Maybe weave into anything and everything else. Yeah, that works. When did you start jujitsu? I started uh, October two thousand five. Do you so, know the date? Like the October fifth. Fifth. Oh, mm-hmm. I had a baby. I, I had my you. contract at home. Oh yeah, <laughs> nice. Kept the first one. Huh? <laughs> That's cool. Where'd you start at? I started at McCune's. It's All the, only, the way through at McCune's. Only place I've ever been. It's cool. White belt through black belt. Nice. Um, uh, couple weeks away from my second degree black belt so so how many years is that do the math for me from black belt yeah. it's uh 2016 and then you started in uh 2005 so i'm 16 and a half years in thank you good lord there's no <laughs> way if it was 2020 i'd be able to do the math but that's about it uh yeah so i've been around a little bit yeah tell me about it um I got started, I kind of like a lot of people did back then. Um, the first season of The Ultimate Fighter, actually. Sure. It's a common <laughs> it story. It actually got me the, uh, yep. interested in it. As it turns out, that's part of why I'm interested in jujitsu, and I just recently started. Oh, really? You know what I mean? Watching like, the, it's, the Ultimate it's Fighters? legendary stuff from back in the day, you know? Yeah. And we used to, we used to watch the UFCs before then as well, but um, I had just moved to the Minneapolis area um, right about that time. <laughs> just ignore him the best yeah. he can. And I moved from Fargo, and there's there was nothing up there at the time. Sure. So once I got down here, 
started watching Ultimate Fighter, I started kind of looking around a little bit at schools. So, um, <laughs> Opie, come here. Checked out a couple of the schools around. Um, didn't really find anything at the time that I felt comfortable with. Sure. And during that time, I had moved out towards Monticello, where I live now, mm-hmm. um, St. Michael, and was working at Gold's Gym, uh, selling memberships there. And I ran into um, Nate Crone, or Nathan Crone, and he was a blue belt training at McCune's. And by this time, <laughs> I'd actually already done a couple fights on my own. I wanted to do MMA. <laughs> I kind of missed that part, didn't I? Why? No, I'm kidding. Because I wasn't smart enough to know any better. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so where, where were you training then? So Before you're, you're, you're no, not I, training at McCune's yet, but you are training for fights. Uh, in the gym, just lifting weights and stuff. Bro. <laughs> Bro. <laughs> so you're pumping iron. I didn't know any better. Going in and picking a fight yeah. with a guy in the ring. Well, we were all, it's all very entry level back then. Yes, for sure. Um, I think the first two guys I fought, it was both of our like first or second fight. Nobody up in that area had been training. Um, that was about the time when like uh, Brock Larson and those guys were just starting to fight as well. And I had, didn't know who they were, but I hadn't run into anybody that had any experience fighting. Sure. Yeah. Um, You're going with what you got. In well, those yeah. Days. So we used to have fun fighting all the time. So I figured, what the hell, I might as well try it. And uh, won my first fight, uh, lost the second one. And I was like, huh, I should probably start training some more. <laughs> and that's, that's extremely that's how, clean cut logic. Though. Yeah, sure. When you're you know, in your 20s, it sounds like a good idea. Yeah. So, and then um, Nate introduced me to Chris and kind of went from there. And that was my, um, actually, kind of both of ours experience we learned we both learned along the way as far as him teaching me for mma and me learning how to do it so mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, did you like bjj when you first started it was very humbling yeah to, to say the least that's not what i asked um, you though did i like it no <laughs> no it was frustrating yeah. as hell humbling generally <laughs> means no i wasn't into it that's it, it was yeah. still humbling to yeah, me. definitely yeah um but you get it now you get why it's humbling, i understand right? it, yeah yeah mm-hmm yeah. But it was, to me, it was just about being aggressive and, you know, didn't, just not knowing any better. Mm-hmm. Um, once I ran into Chris, Chris had had a school out in Vegas for 10 years prior to coming back to Minnesota. Oh, really? And um, he has quite the background in martial arts as well, besides jujitsu. And so um, we started, he started coaching me and I started training and we kind of went from there with an MMA program at McEwen's. How long did you go MMA? Um, I did MMA for nine years. Oh my God. Um, it was all the way up until brown belt. (laughs) (laughs) Frenchie humping. Get out of here, bro. He's excited. Uh, you know, I had a, And I, I did okay. I stayed regional. I didn't, you know, get into any of the big, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, any of the big, uh, uh, you know, MMA um, organizations. Organizations, yeah. 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 And 
when I started, there was no commission in Minnesota. I was there for the first fights for the commission. Um, did a lot of fights um, for Brutal and some of those guys. Um, Jeremy was one. Jeremy Bjork, Bjornberg was one of the last ones I fought for. Mm-hmm. And you know, it was up and down. Um, I had a lot of um, it was confidence issues for me um, really? as far as me winning or losing. I sure. had a six and six record. As a, there was no amateurs then, so it was all pro right off the bat. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> I was a pro fighter, baby. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Sounds cool. Didn't tell a choice. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, Would have been nice to to have amateurs to go through. For sure. Yeah. yeah. Like any other sport, basically. Right. 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 Um, you attribute the losses you had though more to your own well, like, I, sense I, of things. I fought a lot of good guys. Um, I there's a lot of things about me. Um, like I have, I suffer depression and I have a bunch of issues that go with that, um, which is something that I'm now trying to use to help other people with as well mm-hmm. that go through the same thing. Um, but it was a, it was a mind game for myself. Um, I, of course I'm not going to ever take anything away from anybody that I fought. Um, but I, there was probably, well, I fought John Case, uh, Johnny Case, UFC fighter, Risen. Yeah, he was him and another guy were about the only ones that I fought that I was like, "What the hell am I doing in here?" <laughs> right, <laughs> these right. guys. What happens later doesn't surprise you after so, you fight them, right? right yeah. So, other than that, I was matched up well with guys, and sure, it was it was up and down. I had fun. I enjoyed it. Yeah. So, um, at that point, I had started coaching and teaching the MMA, and I really found my niche there. Um, I've enjoyed that much more seeing everybody else uh, come along. Um, I get a lot more satisfaction out of, out of that with, with the guys. It's better. Hmm? I enjoy it. Like, but it's also like objectively better exposing my own bias, but teaching somebody else to do the thing and seeing them rise as a result of what you've done is, is is better for sure yeah at least again my own personal experience it's it's a much better high i guess yeah yeah, yeah. for sure um definitely enjoyed that so but from white up to brown belt um lots of co- competing in tournaments local tournaments and, and area tournaments and then ever have a lot of money to travel and do a lot of ibjjf stuff well and we're going back to years where there wasn't it wasn't accessible not I mean, really. They no. were out there, but you had to go. You had to travel. Wasn't going to be over yeah. in Chicago three times a year or anything there was, like that. Yeah, we probably had like two or three tournaments a year that we could do back then. Sure. You know, and most of them, a couple, there were the sub hunts, and yep. um, you know, we have to go to Wisconsin or Milwaukee or Chicago for Nagas and stuff like that. So, yeah. giving up a whole weekend, maybe half a work day on <laughs> Friday just to get there, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, t- tell me about. Uh, I've only had a couple people who've done MMA fights. Oh, Give yeah. me like your highlight. Like, tell me about your favorite fight or your best fight. Um, my favorite one, the one that I enjoyed the most, was my last one. Uh, I knew it was my last one going into it. Sure. Um, is that why you dug it the most? Like you could. Well, kinda... I I won too, so <laughs> <laughs> it goes a long way, right? Yeah. It was um, it was the one that I had the best training camp for. Um, the one that I got to put the most time into, um, and 
besides working a full-time job, I was training like 25, 30 hours a week Bro. for that. Bro. Yeah, the wife didn't like that. Too yeah, much. no <laughs> And also just bro, like that's, that's, that's so much. Yeah. And, and it is like the fighter's reality though, right? Yeah, it is. It, the sacrifice to participate at a high level is, is definitely there like that. Um, but it was, um, I fought, uh, star Roberts. Um, he was more of a boxer. I do have a Thai boxing background as well. Um, spent some time in Thailand actually too. Um, but we, I wanted to stay standing with him and, but he took me to the ground. I'm like, okay, we're right where I want to be. And as soon as he started moving around, um, I got a good, nice heel hook on him. Hooked him with the leg and sweet finished it. So it was fun. Uh, he's he's a good fighter too. Um, just enjoyed it. Enjoyed going out on a high note. Yeah, no kidding. So. Did it all like make you start to reverse your decision? Like the excitement of winning and having a good camp, or did you know you were out regardless? Um, at that point, I think I was about thirty-seven. I I knew it wasn't gonna go anywhere with it right um i enjoyed it up until that point um i gave myself some time but i, I was pretty sure and I, I haven't gone back to it yeah. um i started coaching more at that point and mm-hmm. enjoyed that much more with the up-and-coming guys and personal bias but had. like it wouldn't be too hard <laughs> for me to to stay convinced to not get punched in the head again well, yeah, as I got older, that got harder to take, too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, it wasn't as fun as it used to be. For sure. For sure. So, did when, when, so where, where does the Thai, uh, the, you went to Thailand for Thai boxing? Yep. Where does that land on the timeline? This is in training for the MMA fights? That was, um, I have about 13 years' experience Thai boxing, too. Oh, my God. Um, I'm glad through, I've been nice to you so far. Through Chris. <laughs> <laughs> through Chris. Uh, Chris has a very good, background in that as well um he also uh my main training partner and coach was tom trutt now i don't know if you know who he no, is um he's he was with us at mccune's um he then since moved to alliance and i believe he moved over with um tim where tim blackstone over now. rebel yeah sure. um but yeah, me me and him traveled to Thailand, uh, went and trained in Phuket. Um, Sweet. Spent some time training and then some time relaxing too. Nice. Because it was uh, over New Year's mm-hmm. and it was like 50 below here that year. Uh-huh. And it was like 85 on the beach. Yeah, baby. <laughs> <laughs> selling me on it. Yeah. So uh, that was a blast. Um, it, was, it was really cool to go there and yeah. see how they trained. How do they train? Version. Tell me about it. It's very old school. Um, uh, you know, the little Thai guys are beating the snot out of us, and uh, <laughs> each training session was about two and a half hours. We do that twice a day. Huh. Uh, by the end of the week, my my legs were so sore I could hardly walk. <laughs> I bet. Hey, I've heard people talk about how you, like the day starts with like a big gargantuan run. Yeah, they they gave you the option of that versus okay. a different warm up. Um, each school is probably different, yeah, yeah, but yeah. there's like a school like everywhere right. over there. And it was just one of those things where it, it, 
uh, maybe like being a high school athlete talking to a college coach and they start describing the workout and you're like holy crap and then mm-hmm. they're like and that's the warm-up <laughs> right you, know, you just realize you're at a different level yeah uh, the warm-up was about uh 20 to 30 minutes just to warm up and then we got to do a lot of clinching um pad work um just their ability to do what they do is just amazing well, it's like a Spartan kind of thing. You're yeah. just born in a culture of it yeah, forever. I mean, every guy you're working with has like 200 fights uh, to, under their belt. And they're the nicest guy in the world. And then they're throwing you on your butt, <laughs> throwing you on your head. <laughs> Having a nice laugh about it. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, that was a great experience. What'd you do uh, on vacation there? Uh, we sat on the beach and drank beer. Oh, baby. We went down to, uh, what was it called? Shoot, it was Patong Beach, is what it's called. Um, Sounds right. I'll take your word on it. I think that's what it is. It's been a while now. So, but it's this uh, road where there's just nothing but bars, all the way up and down. (laughs) Sounds terrible. (laughs) Disco playing, (laughs) techno playing. I wouldn't have any fun there. Yeah, Yeah. Uh, we went to saw a lot of things you won't see in this country. (laughs) (laughs) And had a blast doing it. So yeah, that's pretty sweet, man. It seems to be like a, a, if you're going to train in Thai boxing, compete in Thai boxing, it's sort of like the Mecca type experience. Like you yeah. go do that. Mm-hmm. It it's is like the, the Mecca for that. Like, Jiu-Jitsu is not really the same as far as like going to Brazil because most of the real top guys you want to train with live in LA anyways. Yeah. Um, But yeah, and then going to the fights and watching those, that was, it was... It was pretty cool. I like the culture a lot. For sure. Did you, uh, so that's, when you switch to just competing in, in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, what level are you? Um, just Jiu-Jitsu? Well, I'd competed in Jiu-Jitsu from the beginning mm-hmm. all the way up until, um, well, December. And you took those yeah. great pictures of me. Thank you. <laughs> I'll give you your money later for saying that. <laughs> sure. Um, it's weird because I, I use those a lot for training for MMA. After mm-hmm. the fact, um, after it was all over with, I was already a brown belt in jiu-jitsu. And then I just had fun doing them. So you f- you f- were fighting up through brown belt. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Now I'm seeing the timeline better. Sorry if I'm not getting no, that no, across. No, well. it's, it's slow on the reception, <laughs> I promise. Um, and then once I got my black belt, um, I had opened up my own school after that, uh, hybrid martial arts up in Monticello. And it's hard to compete when you're running a school. So yeah. I didn't get to compete. I, I, com- I would compete. A, um, I did some of the fight to wins that came in. Mm-hmm. Um but just trying to put in time for training was just hard. Yeah, uh, business owner plus anything else, right, is probably a tall order, right? And I, I didn't want to be selfish and make the training all about me. For sure. Um, so I just continued to have fun with competing. Polly, didn't you say a buddy of yours? Yeah, I had a, a good buddy that came out there for a little while. He did the usual, like, st- stuck around till he got a stripe or two, and then was like, oh, I'm busy. You know, the kids have sports. Oh, yeah. Out to my place? Disappear. Yeah, yeah. Who was but that? he loved it. Uh, his name was Chris Lamb. Yes. Yep. He lives out in St. Michael, Albertville yep. area. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, he and I grew up together. He's a big cool. fan of the podcast. That's cool. Yeah, it's uh, 
it was awesome. We really made a family out of all the guys that were there. Um, half of my regular students that I had uh, are now at McCune's training. Sweet. So it's like I'm back home training yeah. with the same yeah. guys. So How long did you have that one up there? I had it open for three years. Sure. Um, and, you know, due to different things that happened, we, we had to close the doors, mm-hmm. um, unfortunately. It, it kind of was a blessing, though, that it happened. It was right at the end of 2019. Mm-hmm. And then um, once COVID hit, right away in 2020. And once we would have shut down, we would have been screwed. Yeah. Um, if we didn't have anything else to fall back on. So you'd kind of close it down and moving on and had things set up by the time the big thing hit. I started my job that I have now uh, the day after they initially shut everything down. Yo. (laughs) But we were considered uh, um, essential essential workers. Yeah. Yeah. So luckily me and my wife got to keep working through the whole thing. Sure. Uh, Definitely a complicated mess for gym owners. Yeah. 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 Like you say, for sure, maybe something of a blessing in disguise, and it's cool. It's, it, it sounds was. like a bunch of bunch of the folks just kind of stayed with you or came over to McEwen's. Huh? Yeah, it was. It's very nice. Um, it couldn't have worked out any better than that. Um, staying in touch with everybody because we were quite a big family well, together. O- okay, drive too, depending on where they lived out there, right? They all live kind of around um, Monticello area. Sure. And I've been making that trip for 16 years. Yeah. So yeah. it's like a 25-minute drive. Right. You get good at it. Just yeah. like anything. Right? It just is what it is. It's yeah. worth it. How many jiu-jitsu competitions do you think you've done? Um, boy, I don't know. Um, I mean, are we talking a, like I mean, as many three as I, a year? As many as I could, yeah. 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 I mean, like you said back... When I started, there wasn't that many of them to do, so you did all the ones you could. Right. Um, and then you got to be selective with them as we got to be more mm-hmm. of them come in. And then um, once I got to black belt, I, I really liked doing like the fight to wins, the one-off matches, um, because be, be, between being a coach and competing, I've been to so many tournaments that I was happy to just go somewhere and do a match and go home. Yeah. Yeah. It's, <laughs> but, it seems fun and seems like a big show. And then it also seems like, okay, I'm done now. I'm going to have a beer and hang out and then go right, home. Right. Right. And then, and coming from the MMA, I already had that feel of being in back, warming up, coming out, competing. Um, a more familiar rhythm of things. Yeah. Right? In the mat, um, jujitsu tournaments are fun, but they, it's such an all day process terrible yeah and after going to you know three five ten of them a year mm-hmm. for 16 years <laughs> got mm-hmm. to be a lot so yeah yeah see I, I was just kind of reviewing it in my head and pretty much all the sports i've been interested in involved in competed in coach people in are these big fucking all day things <laughs> like seven eight hours at a minimum yep <laughs> dumb <laughs> it's an exercise in uh, patience <laughs> yeah, and and super like boring a lot of the time too. Yeah, like another right. run of the mill match, another person squatting two hundred pounds at a powerlifting meet. Okay, you know, it's we exciting had, from a human experience perspective, but also right. come on. Well, we went to one time. We went to Chicago for a naga, and they tried to cram everything into one day, 
And uh, I think this has been brought up on here before. Like maybe. this is like an infamous. Is this the same Rocco? Pro- yeah, I think Rocco brought it up. Didn't was... compete until like nine at night. Yeah, I, was, I think I was a purple belt then. I weighed in at seven in the morning. I think my first match was like eight o'clock at night. <laughs> yeah, you like weigh something Riddle. different by the time you compete. You're a different person. <laughs> well, and, that, and then they didn't have the the computer systems either, so everything was written down. Oh my god! I think I warmed up about six times, waiting for my bracket. And like you're they, thinking you're close, and yeah. then so you start moving, yeah. and then it turns out you're not close. No, and I'm uh, like, you know what? I'm fuck this shit. I'm just gonna. I'll get on the mat completely ice cold and just go from there. <laughs> At that point, I just wanted to get it over with. Well, yeah, you're going to feel beat to hell regardless yeah. after an all-day kind of wandering around mm-hmm. type of thing. And you got, I don't know, it was, you didn't even have walking room. I mean, it was tight elbow to elbow, you know, butt to butt, everything. There's like two bathrooms in the whole place. Oh, yeah. This is definitely the same it's thing. Like a, Rocco was it's like 100 good. degrees in the damn Not little good, building. Man. Not good. You had no idea when you were going to go on, so you couldn't really go anywhere to relax and wait. <laughs> it's one of those things, though, that it's you, it, you're kind of appreciative of how they're run now. Oh, yeah. They're great now. Once you've seen it. Mm-hmm. Same kind of thing in the lifting sports. Like in the is late it? 90s, early 2000s, some of that was just a disaster. But... You do not now that just bang, bang, bang through it. Yeah. You do powerlifting? I don't. I make other people do it. You make other people do it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> coach? Yeah. I, yeah. Co- I coach some people. We it's have awesome. some fun with it. But it, it's totally that same vibe where, like, you know you're going to go. <laughs> so you're hanging out and you do your warm-up. Oh, they're taking a break in the meet now. Okay, shoot. I'm warmed up. You know, <laughs> all that strategic nightmare stuff. Yeah. Trying to get, trying to get to that exact point where you're going to be good Yeah, and not go... One way or the other. How did how did fighting completely cold go at that one? If you remember, (laughs) the jujitsu tournament. Yeah. Uh, Well, after about the first minute or two of being bent and twisted and moved around, uh, you're pretty warm by then. Jujitsu is a warm up for jujitsu, right? (laughs) (laughs) When you get older, it is. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I feel pretty good, but like if if we're rolling for an hour, my cardiovascular system explodes for the first round. Mm-hmm. And I need to like skip the second one. This is not where the state of my cardio. <laughs> I need mm-hmm. to like skip the second one to recover. And I feel pretty good in those middle two. And then it's all downhill for those last two. You know? <laughs> it's like a yeah. pre- predictable rhythm. Yeah. Got to make sure you do those ones though. <laughs> yeah. I'm working on it. That's where you, that's where you learn the most about yourself and how good your technique is. Yeah. <laughs> when you want to die. Yep. Someone's mauling you. Paul, are you good with that mic where it is? I didn't even set yours up. Yeah, no, I'm okay. Feeling all right. It's probably best on your back anyway. Yeah, it's keeping me straight up and down. For sure. Back injury? Tell him, tell him, Paul, what'd you do? I uh, herniated a disc last Wednesday night. Ouch. Yeah. The worst part was it was out at Prodigy. Yeah. And I was like so excited to like be out there because I hadn't like seen Tao or Nimlos or any of those guys in a while. Um, so yeah, so then I just tried to like stay on the mat and keep rolling through it. Cause I, I'd never had it. I've never done anything like this before. So I just thought it was a pulled muscle. Cause it's not my like spine that hurts. It's like oh, yeah, to the left, the you know, yeah. behind my hip bone. So I was like, Oh, it must just be a pulled muscle. Just keep going. I tried it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I didn't do very well, but I made it till the end. That's good. I got to go up there. I, I, I like those guys a lot. And yeah. 
Um, just haven't had a chance to make it up there yet. Yeah, it's it's a super cool space yeah. too. It it looks cool. I see it on uh, Facebook and Instagram and stuff. So, did you say what <clears throat> what hurt it? I kinda, no, I did not. <laughs> I kind of drifted there. That's why I'm, I'm putting you on the spot. Uh, no, so I had a I had a bigger guy in a triangle, and I got stacked, and I tried to like you know shoulder walk back, and uh, failed. Didn't walk very quickly. Yeah, and quick no, enough. Yeah, that's when I felt <laughs> it, and I was like, Ooh, that didn't feel so hot. Yeah, I get it. Just saying, I had a bigger guy in a triangle. That was enough. I, knew I was that. like, oh. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yep. I've been there lots of times. I don't even know why I say bigger. There is not many people smaller than me. This is also so. for a point. Actually, <laughs> I didn't really key into that too much. I was yeah. I'm not catching Marcus or Jake Baker in a triangle. So after that, everybody else is bigger than me. Yeah. <laughs> you go to M theory. Yeah. 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 Another another bunch of good guys. Really, all the schools. I haven't, I, I haven't like toured guys. and trained at a bunch of different places, but I've connected with and talked to a yeah. lot of people and just have a pretty good wide impression. Yeah. You're not going to go wrong for the most part. No, everyone's you know? cool and laid back and yeah. they all have their, their things that they do and, mm-hmm. you know, so. Yeah. You might, you might land at a place that turns out not to be for you, but. Well, it depends on what you want to do. It's a good joint regardless. Right, right. right. I mean, if you're young and looking to compete, there's a gym for that. If you're older and you're looking to do uh, exercise for weight loss or maybe self-defense, there's a gym for that. Which one is it? Because I'm at the wrong place. (laughs) (laughs) Where are you going? I go to M Theory. M Theory, yeah. I show up. They're more of a competition school. Yeah, yeah. It's a a good grind and a good crew. I'm definitely at the wrong spot, (laughs) so to speak. Well, you can always roll with who you want to, I'm sure. So, Yeah, i just skip around. We'll be all right. <laughs> we got odd numbers, right? All right, I'm going to step out and let, <laughs> let everybody pair up. I think it's time for me to go to the bathroom, right? <laughs> yeah. Again? Yeah, yeah, I'm sure it is. Um, yeah. Um, let's see. Yeah. What else? No, go ahead. Anything, anything. Now, since um, I go up to McCune's now a couple times a week and... Um, help him out with some classes. I'll be teaching Thai boxing class tomorrow night. And See, I didn't even know you guys did striking-related stuff there. Mm-hmm. That shows you how little I know. Yeah. They have, actually, they just have uh, guys who just do Thai boxing classes and Thai boxing fights. Um, some guys that still do MMA. Um, it kind of, it's kind of turned over since I was there. Uh, a lot of new guys that I don't know very well, but they have a lot of real good up-and-coming young kids. I say young kids, but that's relative. They're grown-ass men with kids, right, right. but they're younger than you. Right? <laughs> younger than me. And so, um, and girls, too. I've got some mm-hmm. girls up there, some that's women. Good. So, I think I've, I think I consider that the one of the markers of whether or not, I was about to use strong language, of, of the nature of, and potentially quality of a gym is how is the female population? Mm-hmm. Yeah. We think uh, of that. I would say so. Yeah. yeah. Um, if you definitely have a good handful of women at a school, I would say you're at a pretty good place. Uh, Cause from what I hear, just reading and looking through stuff, um, they can get chased off pretty quick. 
you know. It's indicative of a, of a good culture, a, a welcoming culture. Yes, and that comes from your your head coach, yeah. definitely, um, in my opinion anyways. I think the whole culture of the school comes from how your head coach is as a person and as a uh, coach himself and uh, how he treats people and how his environment is in the school. So that's, that's why I've always stayed with Chris. It never gave me a reason to go anywhere else. So, I like that line. Yeah. It never gave me a reason to go anywhere else. It's kind of how it works, it. isn't it? Like yeah. sooner or later in a certain relationship or a certain <laughs> business, you kind of roll your eyes one day and just start drifting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No reason to roll the eyes. There's no reason to drift. Right. And, you know, he became my mentor and helped me out with um, everything that I've done. Um, Jiu-jitsu-wise, uh, with my business, uh, he's been a good friend. So he's helped me out a lot with personal stuff. And, um, yeah, I just never really felt a need to go anywhere else. <laughs> Land, so, landed the first time. Yeah, I did. I liked it. What do you think of the uh, progression or the the changes with regard to people pursuing MMA and maybe even like uh, striking sports from when you were doing it to now? Because like MMA is bigger than ever at the top level, the high levels. And it's probably better than ever at the bottom, but it's still, as I watch folks post online trying to get fights and find people, it, it seems like it's mm-hmm. still a little wild, wild westy. Yeah, when you get, it, it is a lot different now, um, but it, it's still hit and miss. Um, fighters I've found are very flaky. Um, I feel like I'm babysitting adults. <laughs> I always make, I always give uh, the fighters a bunch of crap, tell them I feel like it. Like I have to stay on them. Like I feel like a, a parent to them half the time. But um, as far as the landscape goes, it's it is a lot different now. Um, I think a lot of people fought more. Um, like when I was just starting, and before that, it was more of um, like a warrior aspect to it. And now it's more of a showmanship and uh, um, athleticism and how can I get my name out there? Because you need to get your name out there in mm-hmm. order to get these fights. Mm-hmm. Um, back then, it was more of uh, people were more, were more, they weren't as well-rounded as guys are now. So you did have more, even more style versus style, even when it was a lot more mixed sure. martial arts, yeah. you know, like Tito Ortiz and yeah. Chuck Liddell and those guys. Even though they were both <laughs> MMA guys, we knew that guy was a, a wrestler. Yeah. We knew that or, guy was a kickboxer. Or that guy or, was yeah. a boxer. Yeah. Or, right. And now they're just athletes and right. they're good at everything. And they may be better at something um, than other things, but they're all very good at what they do. <sighs> Kind of the natural progression of the sport, for sure. Uh, yeah, yeah, an evolution to it, I think. Um, same with jujitsu. There's an evolution to that too. Um, the guys, you know, blue belts now are much better than we ever were. You know, is you know the the game has changed a lot. I think. What do you think's caused that? 
like I, a lot of old school guys I hear, you know, they're like, well, it's different now, you, you know, whatever. Sometimes like you say it like it's a, like it's a good thing. Right. Yeah. And sometimes people are like, people get their bells too fast these days and this, that, and the other. Um, as far as the belt stuff goes, um, that's really between the students and their teachers. Sure. Um, I, I don't have a problem with it evolving, you know, the re, as long as there's a respect aspect there. And obviously everybody shit talks nowadays <laughs> on everything. And that just is what it is. Um, I think the sport evolved. I think it evolved for the better. Um, I think jujitsu in itself is much better now than it was. Um, but I think it's, there's different ways of applying it depending on what you're looking to do. Um, if you want to use it in a self-defense manner, there's different things I'm going to do with jujitsu for that. If I'm competing in jujitsu, um, my game's going to be different for that. Um, I think the people doing jujitsu now are a lot more athletic than they were. Um, they've seen the the need to um, cross train with different aspects of other than just jujitsu, you know, weight training and plyometrics and whatever the case may be for that. So yeah, clean technique is great. Clean technique with more force behind it is better. Yeah, I think so. Um, people just realize that the attributes play into it so much. Yep, and then um, you know, gas tank, having the um, cardio to go. No, wrong, wrong, no. wrong, wrong. We already talked about that. I, I don't believe in it. <laughs> well, as long as you're winning in, in thirty seconds or less, yeah. I suppose you're good. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's not, so it's not happening. I don't know if that answered your question very well, but. I was there when it was old school or older school, not not quite so old. Um, I think the way people, I think the way professors or coaches, whatever you want to call them, I think the way they teach now um, is much different, and they're able to teach and get points across much faster than they ever did. And I think um, that's why you're seeing guys that are are maybe ranking up faster um, than we ever used to. Um, if someone deserves a different rank, then they deserve it. I don't care if it took them six months or six years to get it, you know. And so I I think that has a lot to do with it too. Um, it's just a complete evolution. You look at any sports from, you know, 100 years ago to now, everything's evolved. I was going to say that, um, you know, I have nephews that play hockey and they're nine and six and the things they can do at nine and six compared to like what we were able to do is insane. So that's why I was asking you, like I'm trying to, I've been, I've been watching them lately and thinking about like, if there's any kind of correlation to just things naturally being better now or faster, or more access to better examples or better coaching, that kind of thing. So. Well, I think a lot of guys are starting sooner now too. Sure. Um, you know, you got kids that are starting at six, seven years old, and by the time they're, you know, 16 years old, they got 10 years of training already, and that makes a huge difference. And then, like you said, too, the I think coaching has gotten better. Um, I think 
you know, you train techniques, but you also train theories. You also train concepts, which helps get a lot of things across faster as well, in my opinion. So. Well, and just the mass proliferation of it, you have more people involved. Right. Every right. three to five years, you know, it's a magnitude more mm-hmm. people. So there's more options for people to explain it and coach it. And the market kind of works that the winners win and the losers lose. You know, people who do a good job of coaching mm-hmm. gain students and, you know, it gets right. explained better. And then just that whatever math equation, it just proliferates out. Yeah, I, that's completely true, too. You you just plain have more people to roll with, you know. I go to class now and there's 30, 40 people in a class versus when I started, I was lucky if I had four or five you know, and then everybody in the class was a white belt too. So the progression was slower. Now you got all kinds of colored belts in there. So guys that are just starting off are progressing faster from that as well. Well, and, and to see like, you know, an old post from, I just go with M theory, M theory, mm-hmm. Instagram post from six years ago. And it's, <clears throat> here's our class, you know, just somebody took their phone, took a photo and posted it. And there's like four people there. And mm-hmm. you just go, well, that, that don't look right. That's not what I remember <laughs> right. seeing. You know, right. I mean, it, it's so gigantic in the last two to three years alone. Mm-hmm. Com- let you know, let alone eighteen-year contrast or whatever. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's uh, grown in popularity, um, you know, so much over the last decade. There's just so many more people doing it, and kids, and time so, to open yeah. a gym, then, right? <laughs> I, I don't know. I learned a lot from closing my gym, mm-hmm. um, and I do have things in mind for the future sure. to do. So, sure. um, tell me um, what you mean. Learned a lot from closing your gym. It's, it's a really I learned interesting from my mistakes. Sentence. Sure. Um, what what to do better, um, what not to do. Um, you know, we had a commercial space that was extremely expensive to begin with. Mm -hmm. Um, We were in an area where um, population wasn't as high in Monticello, and I was dragging people in from all the little towns around, uh, but I just couldn't quite get over the hump of of keeping enough people as our rent went up every year to to keep the doors uh, going with that. So... um, me and my wife ran the school and she worked part time. You know, we would do that differently as well. Um, I guess the, the biggest thing is we jumped head in, uh, head first in into the deep end and should have probably went a little more gradual with it. So, sure. Like, I got a buddy that I don't think he ever has any aspirations of like opening his own gym, but he runs like a kid's taekwondo program. Mm hmm. And does the thing where, like, they do it through the city parks program yeah. and they rent gym space at, like, a middle school, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and it's sort of like that's that's the the dip-the-toe-in version versus yep. the jump-and-head-first yeah. version. Yeah, and we're, we're looking at, um, and that's a good way to do it, too. Um, we had people in Monticello that were already doing that. And then... Uh, once I opened up, um, he was on the end of closing that off anyways at the community center there. And the guys kind of came over to me and then, uh, 
but we are me and my wife we're looking at getting property with buildings on them so that I can have something that we're paying for that's ours and then teach out of mm-hmm. you know like a an outbuilding or a garage or pole barn or whatever yeah. and not definitely have to, a good way of doing it yeah not have to pay for rent at my apartment and rent on a space yep. and it just you know find find i guess smarter ways of doing it right and just the <laughs> the the weight and maybe this is just me but the weight of having like multiple liabilities all hinged on you know my productivity over here mm-hmm. uh, i'm not into that it was stressful yeah <laughs> you know what I mean? like maybe i'm just not a grown-up i'm a spineless or something but man just the weight of that Oof. it was definitely stressful and i'm sure i'm sure anybody that runs any kind of business finds that stressful yeah. at some point yeah. or especially when you're starting off um wondering how like Boy, I don't know how we're going to eat tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Type I, of thing. So. I own a business and I'm eating ravioli again <laughs> from the can. But um, what I did love about it was it was a dream I had since I was a blue belt. And I actually got to see it happen. And I got to live my dream, even if it was for only three years. Sure. Sure. And I will definitely um, take that over, never trying. Oh, yeah. So most definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How common do you think that is? Hmm? How common do you think that is? By the time we got our blue belt, we're going, nice. I'm going to open up a gym. Um, because I'm saying it because I've had the <laughs> thought, I, you know, yeah. it's, it's bouncing around in the brain. Like, hmm, I bet I can come up with some kind of an idea here. I bet it's more common than you think. Um, I, I was going to guess close to a hundred percent. Yeah. Cause you're so Cause excited. You're, so amped and excited you're in it. it. This is awesome. Right. Got a blue belt, baby. Here right. we go. Not wearing a, you're right. And then you got to make sure you're one of the blue belts that doesn't quit. Oh, and show back up. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> Pressure. The running, the running joke. Yeah. Of being for sure. Jujitsu. Yeah. Blue belts don't show up anymore. Purple belts don't warm up. Brown and black belts stand around. See, that's the. Oh, I'm. I was about to say, purple belts don't warm up. That's the one area of jujitsu where I'm advanced. There you go. Yeah. But if if the brown belts and black belts stand around, then all right. There you got that. Down I'm too. there, baby. <laughs> he he said you you mentioned earlier today that his buddy who went to your gym uh-huh. uh, got two stripes and then kind of slowed down. You know, life life pops sure. up or whatever. And I responded to him. I said, "Well, he's above average." Right. You know, most people don't, most people don't bother trying it. Yeah. Most people do try it. Do like the two freebies and bail. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, much respect. Couple stripes on a white belt. Mm-hmm. I love it. I, that's great. Um, you know, when you look at jujitsu versus other martial arts, um, the longevity is of ranking. It is so much time in between everything from start to finish. If you're looking at it from a white belt to black belt standpoint, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, life changes a lot in a decade, <laughs> Yeah, you know, for everybody and, um, you know, being able to even keep training, you know, as you get older or do, your jobs change or your careers change or you have kids, um, move around. It's, you know, it's hard to, um, really put in the dedication for that i think 
Um, What's well, like a now, hopefully, a now semi infamous John Grills quote. Uh, made I used a little clip, made a little video of him rolling, <laughs> and I put him talking over it after he was on the podcast. And he said the easiest part about getting a black belt in jujitsu was the jujitsu. Was what? Was the jujitsu. Because, mm-hmm. you know, he's got a list just like everybody else. All yep. this stuff came up, and this changed, yep. and that changed, and that's expensive now, and this is stressful. Yeah. Absolutely. Jiu-jitsu was the easy part. It was. And um, I was just, I just didn't want to quit. I'm like, if I just keep showing up, eventually I'll get there. <laughs> so and I was lucky enough to where we were pretty, uh, pretty much staying where we were. And I was able to be able to just stick around with Chris for that long. So. Tell me about rolling with Chris McCune. Um, <laughs> or, or training in general. <clears throat> Rolling with let's, Chris. Let's build some legend here. Let's <laughs> build some lore. <laughs> well, I, the thing I like about Chris, um, it he has a different style of everything. Um, he likes the unexpected stuff or the stuff that is um, sneaky. Um, you know, with his with our lineage through Hegan. Um, it is a lot different than some of the other schools, um, or most, well, really any of the other schools around here. Cause he had, you know, uh, Ellefson is also Hegan under us or with Chris. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> <laughs> French bulldog life over right. there. He's just, just scratching and breathing He's and enjoying life. Yeah. <laughs> um, <clears throat> and so I think his approach may have been a little different, um, there again, the top-down thing. Mm-hmm. If you start considering the way up top, that's going to dictate the norms yeah. and, and culture and approach of it. Yeah. And so um, you know, rolling with him now versus when I started with him is different. He's had a lot of surgeries along the way. But it's uh, all, always uh, pressure. He's got tons and tons of pressure uh, that he puts on. Um, there. Once he starts getting anything whatsoever, it's really even me being a black belt under him. Uh, I'm pretty much know when I'm done. <laughs> uh, it's don't it's give a painful him an situation, inch. huh? Don't no, give him an inch. No, can't. And if I can get on top, I I don't even try for submissions because I don't want him getting back on top of me. <laughs> so, uh, but he used to be very good at and very mobile. Um, you know, inverting and doing all that kind of stuff. Oh, really? So yeah. he catches you with sneaky stuff, uh, arm bars and and different chokes and stuff that you just you don't even see or feel until they're on, mm. and then you're you're too late at that point. Right. So, um, it's kind of what he gets from Hegan. Hegan's very much a, a power, um, a soul crushing, um, very very heavy and pinpoint. Uh, his weight on top of guys, hmm. and I think that kind of transitioned over for for Chris too. Um, my game's changed a lot as I've gotten older with injuries. I've become a lot more pressure pressure game too. So you more of a run around guy back in the day. Yeah, I liked goofing around with the rubber guard and and uh, uh, I started doing leg locks at blue belt, uh, which is 
was frowned upon I greatly gonna, back then. I was going to say, that nobody, puts us in the no-no territory. Yeah, <laughs> but they weren't illegal, just nobody was training them. Sure. And I didn't care if they were called dirty as long as they were. If they weren't illegal, they weren't dirty to me. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I saw that opportunity that nobody else was doing them, and that really kind of helped me uh, have an edge when I was competing in jiu-jitsu. Mm-hmm. Um, lost my train of thought there it's all good it's what we do the magic of editing my man (laughs) i did i didn't say that in the beginning but i'll i'll chop out pauses and stuff and me saying stuff like that did you ever get a shoe thrown at you get a shoe thrown at me wasn't that wasn't that what tom hanks was saying back in the day if you do it like lock people would throw shoes at you and it, it was like uh was it a Brazil in Brazil? Oh, maybe it's a Brazil. I don't remember. We did it, we, it last week. Essentially, was uh, <laughs> a talk about the history of jujitsu and some oh, of the yeah. lore and some of the facts and some of the ha ha ha. You know, and one yeah. of the things Tom talked about is is there's an approval. You know, this is dirty, like, right? Like wrist locking, you know, dirty wrist locker kind of yeah. deal, and and people would literally chuck shoes. <laughs> I don't even remember all the context of it, but I, I love the idea of it. <laughs> I don't. Uh, I don't recall having shoes thrown at me. Um, That's good. That's good. If it was in the rules, I would go for it. Um, I didn't think it was dirty unless it was against the rules. Yeah. yeah. Eye gouging seems dirty. Crotch punch. A little bit. Seems yeah. dirty. What if you get caught. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> if they can prove it. But like taking a joint that's supposed to bend a certain way and making it bend the wrong way, what what's different about this one versus right. that one? So, um, you know, and then with like your heel hooks and stuff, I mean, it, a twisting lock can do a lot of damage, mm-hmm. as opposed to a straight lock. Um, you know, heel hook's going to really pretty much blow at your knee. Right. And you know, you just had to be careful and train it carefully, just like anything else. At least that's the approach I took to it. And, you know, once I felt them coming on myself was to tap as quick as I could. And, you know, I didn't I didn't want to leave. I wanted to know how to attack the whole body before I got to brown belt or black belt and then start learning that. I didn't want to be behind the curve on everything. Sure. Did you have an arc of, like, you were a guard passer for the first three or four <clears throat> years and then kind of realized, oh, shoot, let's let's focus more on playing guard or anything like that? I actually played from my back a lot. Um, <laughs> noisy. <laughs> it's like a little gremlin. <laughs> it's awesome. So I played, I played actually a lot from my back. Um because Eddie Bravo stuff, the rubber guard was really big when I was a blue belt. And so I worked out a lot. I worked it um, all the time. And I liked it until um, Chris is like, you know, you, you need to learn to play on top every now and then too. <laughs> and the whole aspect of putting yourself on your back to attack people is like you're putting yourself in an inferior position to try and attack people. He said, you have to then go a step and a half to try and get to a submission versus it's just one step. Um, from there, I started learning how to stay on top um, with 
you know, learning takedowns and passing guard and then getting into side control and, and really just solidifying that position to where I wasn't going to let anybody out of it, um, where I could tack. I had lots and have lots of attacks that I can do to where I know I'm not going to lose that position. So I really just kind of got good from there um, with that. So that was kind of my thing and kind of still is. Um, so what do you like from there submission-wise? Uh, I, I do baseball bat choke a lot. Oh. Um, if we're in the gi, I got a lot of different uh, um, chokes that I like with the gi um, as far as loop chokes and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, the baseball bat choke just really kind of took off for me as well. Um, and I do a no-gi version of it because it's quicker and faster to get to. Uh, and I got a couple other variations that I use if they block it. And uh, I don't know, I don't know that I can even conceptualize a no gi baseball bat <laughs> choke. You just go like this. Okay. It's quicker. Um, if I'm trying to get my thumbs into a gi, it takes a lot of work. And then by the time I actually get to it, they're completely gone. And it's like yeah. you might as well have mailed them a letter telling them what you're going to do. A little more telegraphed. Yeah. yeah. So being sneaky, uh, I learned that. That was something I learned from Chris as well. Um, so you can't feel it come on until it's on. Yeah. Essentially, that was essentially just a gable grip, like behind yeah. the head. Mm-hmm. And then you do the exact same thing from there. Hand, yep. Hand underneath, uh, palm down. Other hand will come up and I'll drop my shoulder to the chest and drop that elbow to the floor. Mm. It's exact same thing as holding on to the gi. Right. And I'll do it in gi and no gi. Whatever you get, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Whatever you can get. Mm-hmm. And in the nogi, I like a lot of darts, darts chokes, I like going there, a lot of different spaces or places to play that one too. A sneaky thing. Try. Uh, that that yeah. seems to be a <laughs> when I like when I'm watching people. Actually, there was a question in class today. Uh, Shivong or somebody was mm-hmm. talking about you know in a certain uh, transitional point, f- commonly getting caught with a dars, and I, mm-hmm. I remember having the thought that seems to be what dars is. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, whoop, gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> people will roll themselves into it. Yeah, yeah, I know. You go from back, you're rolling up. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's a good spot for that. That was, exa- I, I think we're actually on the same visual page here. Mm-hmm. That was exactly what the question was. Basically coming up to like a, from your back to like a turtle position. It's a good spot to catch it. Yeah. I assume you get checked there a lot. <laughs> You're the guy in turtle. I, I, man, I'll turtle with the best of them. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. I'm 300 pounds. Okay. Turtle. <clears throat> it's a big turtle. It works, quote unquote, works pretty well. And by works, I mean, let me catch my breath. For like 15 right, seconds, right. Baby. We all let need me that. breathe. Get off me. I can't breathe. <laughs> you referenced uh, your evolution of your game relative to getting older mm-hmm. and also having injuries and stuff. Uh, give me some advice. Give me some thoughts on that. Um, For when I get older. For when you get older? Yeah. To not get injured, you're gonna get injured. Yeah, no, I was gonna say that's a short answer. It seems like um, the the biggest thing that's helped me out as I've gotten older um, is keeping my ego from allowing me 
you know, you have a big ego, you don't want to tap, you feel like you're going to get out of something, even if it's super tight. I tap a lot, I tap frequently. Um, if I feel like I'm in a position, <laughs> <you're listening. laughs> trying, to, trying to draw this over to Paulie here. If I feel like I'm in a position where uh, it's just not going to go right, I was just like, hey, you got it, let's go, start over, go from here. Um, and then I can also, just because of my experience, um, I know how to protect myself when I'm going against somebody who's not as experienced and are kind of um, flinging around and, you know, you know what I mean? I do. <laughs> I'm, I'm a flinger myself. You got guys that are <laughs> trying to crush you and they're going to beat you and they're going 100 miles an hour with all their strength. Yeah. Just learning how to keep, you know, your arms in, your elbows in, protect your head, mm-hmm. stuff like that. So I would say that, like I said, the biggest thing is tapping more often and more frequently. Um, I can dictate the pace a little bit since I have more experience. And I kind of, I'll, I'll do that. I'll slow the game down if I can. Uh, so you're a little bit smaller. You could probably slow things down a little bit more. You know, I rely on slowing things there down, you go. actually. <laughs> so <laughs> Good, heavier guy and mm-hmm. strong grips mm-hmm. match it. It doesn't serve me well, but it matches well with the fact that my cardio sucks. <laughs> Well, I don't have to deal with a fast-paced roll too often because I can grab a hold and slow down, slow down, slow down, slow down. It's like putting a paw on top of them. So that's what I would say is just, uh, um, you know, even if you, I mean, just being somebody who is stronger or bigger, um, if you have some idea of what you're doing, um that strength and size is, is going to definitely help nullify somebody who's at a higher level that might be smaller than you. Mm-hmm. For as, sure. you as you develop skill and stuff. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. I'm still waiting. Takes time. Still waiting for that. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I, I've been doing this for almost 17 years, and I'm still learning stuff every every time mm-hmm. I go in. Mm-hmm. You know, I work with Chris, and I'm like, Christ, I've never even thought of doing it that way before. Right. You know, so I still get my eyes opened up. Right. So, how you you gonna you gonna you think you'll stop rolling? You think you'll stop doing jujitsu? Hmm? Me? Yeah. You, you 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 mean you you gonna you gonna roll till you can't roll kind of deal? Um, I kind of letting. I wouldn't say I'm letting my injuries dictate that, but um. Depending on how I feel may dictate how often I'm training. Sure. Um, but from a mental standpoint, I, I really need it. Um, it helps my depression and, and everything that I go through. Um, Do you think it's... Amazingly, I, I can't even explain how it helps me in that aspect. Um, as far as being able to clear my mind, reset myself. Um, it's the only thing... I've ever done where I am only in the moment of what I'm doing. There's nothing there. There's, there's no job there. There's no work there. There's no people that pissed me off. There's no asshole driving 10 miles an hour too slow on the road. You know, there's no stress from life. All I'm doing is worrying or wondering what to do from where I'm at. 
and where I'm going from from there. Um, I I don't I've never run into anything where I've been able to just switch off the world like I can with jujitsu, and I would say it's probably saved me saved my life quite a bit over the years. So, um, you know, there's lots of good. Obviously, you know, with like Weedify programs and Warriors Next Adventure and all these different things for, um, you know, for like the ex-military people or military people in general. Um, I, I think that would just be something that's good for anybody that goes through anything as far as, uh, um, you know, anything that is a you know, mentally that is keeping them from being happy or, um, you know, as far as like depression or anything like that. It's it's been a huge uh, lifesaver for me, definitely. So, there's definitely something unique about <clears throat> the level of physicality in jujitsu, and then the level of mental involvement. Yes, yeah. Like we, you, we can go pump some iron, you and I, and and, and lift some weights together. Odds are, stuff's getting still in the brain. About their stuff. You know, that might actually be what's fueling me in the moment. Is going to be pissed off about something earlier, you know, or mm-hmm. letting that stress sort of drive it. But it's not a reprieve from it like jujitsu is. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Because um, I do the same thing. And, um, yeah, I mean, the, the, the freedom I feel from just only being in that moment is just uh, the, one of the best things ever for me anyways. It just eliminates all the stress from, from life. It's also kind of a hilarious little irony that you use, <laughs> you use the word freedom yeah. in a moment where some guy is squeezing his knee over your throat <laughs> and bending your arm the wrong direction. Yeah. It's amazing and how comfortable you can be when and that's, you're on. That's the free, right. that's the freedom moment right there. It's amazing how comfortable you can get in a very uncomfortable position to be able to slow your brain down and just work, work your way through it. Um, you know, when you're starting off, there's always panic and then you get, as you come along, it's like, oh crap, I'm in a bad position. Let's just hang out here and see what happens. <laughs> right. Which, so. which probably gets us to like the central identifiable value of the practice of jujitsu. Right. right. Yeah. Absolutely. How well do you do when things are shitty? Yeah. What's the skill set to work with? There? Mm-hmm. And how are you going to react to it? So that's why, I mean, ever since I've trained, I've never been in a fight outside of training. Um, Good. Before I trained, uh, I got into fights a lot um, with my friends in my 20s. And it just, after I started training, and and it's like, I don't need that. It just really calms everything down. I don't want to hurt anybody anymore. (laughs) And so... Please keep training. <laughs> don't, don't stop training. <laughs> I'm so far from ever wanting to do good. any kind of fighting like that anymore. Good, good, good. So Doesn't seem worth it. I'd rather just buy you a beer and drink with you. Oh, I'm in. I like so. it. <laughs> um, let's see. What else can we go over? Yeah, anything and everything. I suppose I would say now I've gotten to the point. That's one thing that we've been... Um, my wife and I have talked about 
as I was saying about getting our own place and and being able to teach out of that um and I kind of hinted at or mentioned like the uh um the different organizations for the military and stuff mm-hmm. some of the stuff that I've wanted to do because I as I've mentioned we're dealing with the depression and stuff is kind of um not really do what they're doing but even your normal average people have depression. There's a lot of mental illness out there nowadays. Um, and I kind of want to take my experience and the things I know and the things I've learned from it and kind of help. I mean, I, I wouldn't care who it is, men, women, females, mm-hmm. or I'm sorry, uh, military, police officers, firefighters, normal you know, right. teachers, anybody um, to bring them in and use jujitsu as a base to really help just kind of help people feel better mentally with things um kind of a different kind of therapy i guess as opposed to talking to somebody or right you know so you're talking about like packaging the approach as with that central theme Mm -hmm. it's not only okay we come here and do jujitsu but it starts with the why right Mm -hmm. and then show them how uh what we're doing how that helps you know, a lot of people want to be, uh, feel better if they know that they're a part of something. They're not excluded from things. Um, that's somewhere to go to keep them from being lonely. Um, you know, somewhere to go to give them confidence, um, learn self-defense and as part of that. And I just think overall the, <clears throat> the positives from it are so much better than, or the posi- positives from it. Um, help so much with what people are going through um, on top of hopefully what they're doing, you know, otherwise to, to help with that. And then maybe, you know, helping them figure out you know, what triggers them to feel the way they do or because um, I've, you know, I've been with my wife for um, 16 years as well. I started dating her uh, right before I started training and I mean, she's seen and been there with me as we've gone through the ups and downs mm-hmm. and we've both learned together how to, how to manage it. And if I can just, um, for me, I like helping people and it helps me feel like I'm accomplishing something just like when we were talking about coaching mm-hmm. and if I can help people feel a little bit better or give them something to look forward to, I'd be happy with that. Yeah. You've picked up a skill set. Mm-hmm. This has worked for me. I've seen it work for other people. Mm-hmm. Well, let's go share it. Right. Yeah. I've got a few friends that uh, doing a couple things like that in and around fitness and lifting. Kind of like the uh, shout out to my guy Mark Schneider. He's got an Instagram, and it's a it's a central point for various research projects from involving people from all these different avenues, and it's trauma-informed weightlifting and it's essentially okay this is the activity Mm -hmm. and it's good for us but we're starting with the why is it good for us sort of that same philosophy like okay yeah jujitsu and we all know that this and that and whatever Mm -hmm. let's start thinking of it maybe a little more clinically or a little more strategically right i dig um, it like therapeutic almost Mm -hmm. Um, yeah because it's like the weightlifting or the jujitsu that's that's just the one thing that brings the group together Right. And then 
you know, learning about each other and, and going from there. It's the campfire. There you go. Everybody mm-hmm. comes around to hang at the campfire, but it's not really the fire that matters. It's the people it's sitting the people around, around the campfire. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's one of my favorite that. analogies of my, my buddy, uh, Josh, who owns a CrossFit gym in town. He, he, I, I think it's a common fitness industry phrase, but yeah. he said it one day and I was like, dude, that's like exactly what I've been trying to explain to people. You know, powerlifting is the campfire. Yeah. It's cool, but it's not the point. The people sitting around right. it are the point. That's, that's a great analogy. I like that a lot. Yeah. That you makes can a lot use of it. sense. You can use it. Thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> Hey, so. total tangent, total left turn. Sure. Uh, what happened to your neighbor's garage door? Is that you? <laughs> I don't know. I haven't found out yet. <laughs> did they like back their car in into it from inside well, the garage or something? They did um, yeah. because it's bent outward. Yeah. So they, I don't know if they just, because you can see the tire tracks coming out of the garage too. Sure. So I don't know if, because uh, I was, <laughs> I took the picture at six o'clock in the morning right. when I was going to work. Yeah. So it happened sometime last night um, <laughs> and I have a, a neighbor downstairs that I know she likes to drink a lot. Oh boy. Um, because uh, in the summertime when we have the windows open, I can hear her singing to herself out on her patio. I'm sure, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it's like Polly. I'm pretty sure, <laughs> yeah. I'm pretty sure that that's her garage. Sure. Um, but yeah, it, it looked like she was in the garage or whoever it was was in the garage mm-hmm. in the car. And for some reason, the garage door started coming down and they were trying to get out even though it was coming down. There's pieces everywhere. <laughs> yeah, the door is not even the start of the problem because I can't oh, no. imagine what happened to the car. Yeah, I haven't seen a car that has smashed up yet, uh-huh. so I'll have to look around. I don't know why that popped into my brain, maybe because I was thinking of social media accounts, <laughs> but I'm like, wait a minute, wasn't that you that yeah. posted that? Yeah, I posted that. That was funny. The joys of community living. Well, yeah, you gotta love you know, it. You, you're close to other people. You see some of the uh, some of the oddities. Yeah, she's. Uh, if it's that lady, I, I can't. Yeah, I can't say for sure. Um, the the fire alarm in cool. this building went off <laughs> uh, last week. Oh yeah! Right as I was setting up to record with Kurt Hartman, actually, I was like twenty minutes out, and the fire alarm in the whole building's going off. <laughs> like, of course. Uh, but, and I actually work here. I'm a, a building caretaker. So this is like half my responsibility to deal with this as it's going on. So I can't just like ignore it. But I went to a very specific apartment to look for smoke coming out of it. <laughs> kind of to your own, the assumptions you're making about your neighbor. Right. I did the same thing because that it, it's happened before. Like right. I, I know these people at this point. Like I, you know, so it might have yeah. sounded judgy or whatever. But you're probably right. You know. Well, it's, you know the people to start with first and then work from there. Right. <laughs> so. It's a process, just like just like jujitsu and anything. Yep. Like, here's where we are. Here's where we're going. Right. Find a solution to the problem. What you've been uh, watching anything recently? Um, I'm, I'm always looking for good recommendations. <laughs> I just got done watching Reacher. Is it a show or a movie? Because the whole series show. of books and there's movies. Yep. the the Tom Cruise movies, uh, but it's a series on yes uh, Amazon Prime. And the guy, have you read any of the books at all? I'm like only vaguely familiar. I've had a few clients that were okay. big big fans. He fits the bill of who Jack Reacher was more than Tom Cruise did. That's one of the things I've heard, actually. Yeah. He's like six foot four and like yeah. 150 pounds. Yeah, like in the book, <laughs> yeah, he's like a... He's a big dude. Right. It was a good series. I like that. 
Post Tom Cruise, man. Why do people keep? Putting... I liked his movies. You did. I, li- okay. I liked his Reacher movies. I thought we were gonna go on a tangent nope. of ripping on Tom. No, Cruise. no. Damn it. <laughs> you can if you want. I mean, yeah, it's my show. Damn sure. It. <laughs> Feel no. free. Um, Who plays him in the in the in the show? I don't recall Is it anybody. His name? Not that I would know him. I don't know. Do you remember uh, the series? Uh, was it Blue Mountain State? Hmm. Uh, it was a comedy comedy series that was. Very vaguely, he yeah. was the main character in that show. Oh, okay. I don't, I don't really recognize him from much else, and everybody was kind of uh, no-name actors, or you know what I mean. I like that. Yeah, I do too. I like that a lot. Mm-hmm. Alan, Alan Richson. Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't help. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, it it was a good series. Um, I liked it. Good, good action. Um. Is that the deal? Funny. It's like the shoot him up, chase him down kind of stuff. Kind of like that, yeah. yeah. Um, he he plays the part well, and and it's it's funny to watch because you know most of the stuff that happens can't really happen in real life, but it's right. Right. <laughs> that's it's the point of TV. Act, it's still a good action show. The point of TV, though, right? Right. I think um, I said that in a previous conversation. If TV was realistic, we wouldn't watch it. It wouldn't be fun to watch. <laughs> right? I don't need a day to day grind. I want something, you know. Out there, yeah. Uh, another one we're watch- I'm watching is uh, Ozark. Yeah, man. I like that one a lot. I started on it and I faded, and it's it's. I did the same thing with Breaking Bad, and everybody told me I was wrong then, and they were right. Mm-hmm. And now everybody's telling me I'm wrong about Ozark. It. I think they're probably right. When did you stop watching it? Uh second season, maybe something yeah, like that. That's a good third yeah, and fourth season. season. It's like a script, man. It's like a script. Yeah. No, you just got to keep going. So you stop right at the point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So and we watch some other series. I don't watch too much normal TV. What's all, normal so. TV? Oh, yeah, right. What is normal what TV What does that anymore? mean? <laughs> you mean like tuning into the TV, right. not, not streaming? I'm, I'm that's still around? To, I'm old enough to remember when I was the remote for my dad. Yeah. And I had to change yeah. it to the four channels that was on the TV, so... <laughs> The the, the 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 romance of the you know the back in my day it was so simple right there right. might actually be something behind it because there's a bajillion options and I don't like any of them so. <laughs> right, right he wa- he rewatches Law and Order yeah like the original Law and Order and he's not wrong until tomorrow night yeah I watch a lot of those tomorrow too. night the reboot is there new another season, Law and Order reboot yeah. yeah with half Jack of, McCoy with half of Come the old back. characters yeah. Seriously? Yeah, yeah, man. Like the on regular TV. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I think I'd have to get like an antenna. I'm like or peacock. Or <laughs> that's funny. I have an antenna on my TV. That's well, yeah. That's how. Is <laughs> that still stream. how you get like yeah. TV? Quote unquote TV. Mm-hmm. Oh man, I don't even know. Yeah. I, we, I mean, we watch a lot of like the documentaries and docu series. Yeah. Like at, there was a point where saying oh, I like to watch documentaries, people would be like, Oh wow. Look at you, smart guy, learning about stuff. And now it's just like a watered-down white trash version of a documentary. Like, it's right. just another right. dipshit murderer, you know? And this one I watched we watched yesterday or the day before, it was like uh, like Paul and the Farm or something like that. What the hell is it called? And dude that's, like, owned a farm forever and is, like, pissed off about how it is and he's lost, like, three wives and his kids don't like him. And... <laughs> Like, any, like he, a country music song. I mean, right you know, he <laughs> was in like Delaware or Vermont, so not quite as country. But like, I watched this whole thing and I was like, oh, that was good. 
And then I thought about it in the terms that I just described to you. And I was like, that was not good. Why did I watch that? Like, what, what the hell was the story arc? <laughs> like, he, he was slightly less pissed at the end. That's the story arc. But I watched the whole thing. I don't that know. was great. And then you look back and you're like, the hell am I talking was about? was that great? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, th- I kind of like the, that's the thing, even despite what I said earlier, I kind of like the real element of mm-hmm. it. Just a real dude learning about his thing and he cut off some fingers and a saw and you're like, all right, well, there's the end of that documentary. You know? The, I don't know if you've seen uh, the Will Smith one that he did. I think it's called Earth on uh, Nat Geo. It's like, like he's doing the Morgan Freeman thing and like no, narrating it? No, no. He's actually, it's him going to all these places on Earth. Oh, really? Because he hasn't done anything in his life. Like he, he says, he's like, I've never been camping. I've never been to a lake. I've never been swimming. He's not playing a character like no, real it's a, Will it's Smith. A documentary. He's yeah. danced and acted and rapped, and no, that's all he's ever done. So he a, was like, I want to go experience the, the earth. The earth. That's and pretty cool, actually. It's on, uh, Nat Geo, I think. The hell is that? Geographic. Is that another thing National, I got to subscribe to? National Geographic. It's on Hulu. It's, honestly, now I got to get Hulu. I hate this, man. <laughs> I want the four channels. <laughs> <laughs> right same <laughs> well, people it's will recommend simpler. stuff and you're, you're like it's on what i right. ain't heard of that like oh it's 10 bucks a month yeah it's all 10 bucks a month right right so now it's 200 bucks it's a 150 bucks a month <laughs> if you have a chance to find it anywhere it's pretty good that sounds um, really cool the places he goes to it's really uh, quite fascinating yeah i've never heard of that sure. Yeah. It's like it reminds me of like an Anthony Bourdain thing. We're like, all right, we're gonna go, we're gonna take this it, in and let it be what it is. It kind of, kind of like that. He he meets up with these experts and on the different things that they're known for, and he goes and and experiences the things that they're good at and what they do. And that's actually really cool because that's kind of what we're all doing. Yeah, like, right. Like I'm gonna. I just went over and. Uh, I, the gym where I train clients at and do some working out at is two doors down from work, which is like a boxing and fitness gym down in Minnetonka Hopkins. And I went over and I was like, hey, man, let me, I'm going to do some boxing lessons with you. Yeah. It's my mini Will right. Smith moment. Like I've never that. done that. Yeah. You know, I hit somebody once in junior high and my hand hurt for like <laughs> weeks. <laughs> so I never did it again. You know, clearly I don't know hard. how to do that, you know. <laughs> right. Uh, but it, 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 I mean, that that actually sounds like a great show because it is like yeah. a grander, you it's know. It's like um, going, he went to the, like the top of a volcano or something. And, nope. Um, you know, different different <laughs> things throughout the world and on the ocean and stuff. It was, it was very good. It was God. done pretty well. I got to get another TV subscription. Just <sighs> subscribe until you watch it and then cancel it. <laughs> See, now I get, I've been seeing ads for something called True Bill. And it's basically uh, an app you can download and it like looks into your bank account and identifies subscriptions and oh, lets yeah. you know that that's a subscription so you can cancel it if you want to. Oh, I've actually heard of that. How many subscriptions do people have, bro? Right. And it's because we do that. We go, all right, I'll do the 10-day trial. I'm going to watch right. the first season of that show. And then and then like three months later, you're still paying for it. Right. I see. I can't, I can't deal with that. <laughs> Yeah, so yeah, I like that one. Um, so I'm not home a whole lot. To, yeah, to really, I mean, it's taken us three years to watch a couple seasons of Vikings and or Ozark and 
Have you only watched a couple seasons of Vikings? We're on, we're finally to the last season. Okay, I was going to tell you to stop after the first two. <laughs> the I last the ones, the way. last couple are okay. It's, a couple of the middle ones weren't so good, but yes, okay, I'm I'm, I'm on board for yeah. that. But it's also I realize story arcs and whatever. But it was like a completely different show. Yeah, there was like two of the original characters. Yeah, I don't know. all started dying off. It was so awesome for the first couple seasons, though. It was, yeah. Yes. Yeah, I stopped watching around like the, the beginning of season three. I think I still like eh, maybe I'll go back to it someday. But who knows? There's more new shit out. That when body much. snatchers. Body snatchers. <laughs> I was disappointed. That documentary, oh, you just one, told me to watch. <laughs> the one I was telling you about, yeah. Don't watch that. That's like a low budget thing. I mean, it was you know fine enough. And it, again, it, the, the problem with documentaries is it is real people, and they do the same kind of depraved, gnarly <laughs> shit that you get in like horror movies and suspense movies. And you're like, oh, so this really happened. That's unsettling. But that one was just funny because they it was all guys in New Jersey, and they did the Paglioni. They had like all the all the awesome Italian names. That's why I sent it oh, to yeah. you. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> oh, what else do you? Did your wife train with you? Uh, she does not. Um, she actually did some Thai boxing with me when I was when I had school open. Um, but she's after this many years, she's like, I don't want nothing to do with it. <laughs> Just go <laughs> go do your thing. One version of a happy marriage, right there. <laughs> Well, it, you go do that. I'll go do this. Yeah. Well, I'll see it's you. It's taken its toll on our relationship for sure. Sure. Um, but yeah, she she likes it. Uh, she liked Thai boxing actually, and now I'm just trying to. I would wish she would learn more of it, but um, I'm trying to get my seven year old into doing some stuff now, and she doesn't want to have nothing to do with it yet. Mm. I'm like, come on, yeah, <laughs> do it. She doesn't. She doesn't realize how powerful the developmental arc is starting yeah. at that age. Yeah. Yeah, by the a, time you're 15, right. you just be a murderer. So you I know? sit there and tell myself, I'm like, she'll be fine, even if she has to wait till she's 15. Yeah, yeah. And when she gets into her teens, she's gonna learn some of it, whether she wants to or not. This seems right to me. Seems smart. I, you know, I can only go to jail too, so many times. <laughs> Depending <laughs> on how long. <laughs> like yeah. so. Someone told me once, you know, you don't have to worry about all the guys coming around your, your daughter. And I said, no. I said, I don't have to worry about the first guy coming around. <laughs> I said, I'm going to set an example for everybody else to stay away. As long so, as the reputation holds after that, right, you're all right. right. Yeah. So she has taken an interest in um, and a fascination with when I go shooting. Mm-hmm. She's She wants to come watch me do that. And obviously she can't shoot yet. But right. um I'm like, I might be able to get her into something I like. Yeah. <laughs> so. Well, and they're, they're just with like social media and TikTok and stuff, um, that's a, a sport like USPSA and, and all of them. There's a couple of younger gals that are on the list of people that I follow because they're really competitive. Yeah. Like yeah. Justine Williams or something like that, I think is the yeah, one's sure. name. And they do fun like TikTok stuff that they yeah. all the, the quote unquote the kids, forgive me for a second, the kids are making, you know, so it's like yeah. it fits in with the rest of the content, you know, that you might see. But like I, I would I would bet something like that is is on the up and up culturally yeah. kind of the way jujitsu so. might have been 15 years ago where mm-hmm. you know by the time she's sort of of age a little more accessible and normal right. quote unquote normal feeling for her to do yeah I, I think so too and I, th- I think a lot of that upswing in it comes from 
um, so many veterans that have come out of the military now from so many years of, of, uh, being deployed and stuff, they're starting to do, they do like shooting classes or, mm-hmm. um, camps for drilling guns and mm-hmm. stuff like that. And I think that's really kind of picked up with civilian people as well. Well, and probably a couple generations or whatever into women in the military too, yeah. you mm-hmm. know, so there's more mother figures yep. leading daughters to have an interest in that sort of thing. I would assume as well. I think so. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, you kind of, um, a lot of good advice in this conversation so far. And usually my closing question or proposition is, uh, what advice would you give people in jujitsu at each belt ranking? Like Um, your mindset at white belt, your focus at blue belt, whatever it might be. So I would say white belt would be, um, to pay attention and ask questions as many questions as you can and try to get a little bit of an understanding as to why you're doing something you're doing. Um, blue belt is, uh, taking what you've learned and trying to, um, sharpen your fundamentals. Um, again, I'll say for all the belts, uh, ask questions all the time. Sure. Always be asking questions. And the biggest thing I try to get from questions is why I'm doing something a certain way or why it's, um, why it, you want me to do it that way, so to speak. So, um, purple belt, you're really kind of finding your game as to what, um, you like to do you start to have your own personality at that point um that's where you start you know learning all the youtube stuff and finding all the cool stuff on instagram (laughs) (laughs) uh it's kind of the belt where you're going to try all the real cool things that you're seeing and see how you can get them to work or if you can or can't get them to work for your game really kind of stretching yourself out to see what works for you. Uh, I think brown and black belt, you're bringing your game back in to more of a fundamental stage and really just sharpening the hell out of your tools and taking all the holes out of your game and um, making your your defense uh, just impenetrable and basically like a shield where nobody's going to get to you. So, you know, at white belt, it's inevitable. You're going to learn how to play defense because you don't know how to do anything else. And you're getting your ass handed to you. <laughs> you learn how to get comfortable in bottom position. There you do. <laughs> bottom yeah. side. Yeah, you absolutely do. Well, that's kind of how I, I try to tell people how things go or how I would like to see or how I have seen myself um, as far as, being around as long as I have, how people react at different belts, or you know what I mean? So that would be kind of my thoughts on that. Nice. Uh, one more, because I thought of it. Do you have a favorite phase of jiu-jitsu or a favorite belt, let's say? A favorite belt? Um, like, man, I really dug 
where I was at and what I was working on during that period or whatever. I think when I was, I think when I was purple belt, I really did. Um, brown belt was the most frustrating for me. Um, but I really enjoyed purple belt because that's, that was the time frame from the end of blue belt to beginning of brown where I really noticed a huge uh, jump in my abilities and where I noticed the biggest amount of positive um, change in my game as far as being able to apply stuff and and see it coming and and kind of know how particular people are going to move and um, that was probably the most fun time in that area and that's kind of when I competed the most too. Sure, sure. So the reason I asked that is that's going to be like a standard question of mine at this mm-hmm. point because anybody that's organically brought up their favorite <laughs> period, it's always purple belt. Yeah. So it is. And the way you describe like purple belts where you kind of start to reach out and experiment and sort of mm-hmm. find your game, it actually just makes sense. It sounds yeah. like the most fun. I would say it's kind of like being a teenager. Oh, really man. just trying to experience yeah. life. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I think now I, I enjoy being, obviously enjoy my having the black belt because um, I get so much satisfaction out of mm-hmm. teaching the guys that have come up underneath me and watching them, watching the light go off and watching their eyes get real big mm-hmm. when it when they finally catch it, catch yeah. on to it. Right. I'm like, there, now you got it. So, yeah. yeah. Those cool. would be my, my uh, two cents on that. Cool. Anything else? No. Cool, brother. I'm good. I appreciate your time. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. Thanks for having me, man. That was fun. Thanks, man.